Hey there, and welcome to Everyday Awesome, a podcast featuring dynamic discussions with interesting, innovative, and inspiring people from all walks of life. I'm your host, Trisha G., and I'm excited and grateful you are here. I was that kid who pretended to interview people using a paper towel tube microphone, and I had a great time doing that. And today I'm having an even better time taking that playful reporter-style passion to a real mic to bring you fun and enlightened conversations with amazing people doing awesome things. People who are game changers, inspiring themselves and others, never letting adversity stop them, impacting the world around them, and having a blast on the journey of this thing that we all call life. You may be wondering why listen to this podcast and who the heck is Trisha G? (laughs) Well, I love learning and connecting, and my background as a teacher, therapist, endurance cyclist, coach, and nonprofit leader have guided me to create this podcast for you. In each episode, my guests will be sharing nuggets of successful strategies, tips, and inspiration to lift your spirits, ignite your soul, and elevate your day. Stick around, hit play, and together, let's make every day awesome. Welcome to Everyday Awesome. Thank you for being here with me and tuning in for the interesting and inspiring discussions that I have with my guests. Today, we are in for an amazing treat. You will want to listen to this episode with a bowl of popcorn and your favorite cocktail. Today's guest is someone I've had the pleasure of spending many hours with, (laughs) mostly at gatherings and parties, and he is the life of the party wherever he goes. Even if you're running errands, if you go to Target, if you go to a baseball game, no matter what you do with my guest, he makes it so much more fun and interesting. (laughs) He lights up a room with his style, humor, and intellectual banter. He is wicked smart and wicked funny, and he's a hell of a board game player, always winning, but you don't feel bad being the loser because you had the best time losing. (laughs) So much fun. I'll be honest, I've always been a bit in awe of my guest today, especially his talent when I have seen him perform live in both outdoor and indoor theater venues, an amazing, an amazing actor. My guest today is Danny Shea professor, actor, and all-around amazing guy. Oh, okay. So Danny has played in so many roles and uh, productions in theaters, and I'm going to share with you some of the places that he has performed. He has played principal roles at ACT in San Francisco, Berkeley Repertory Theater, South Coast Repertory, Washington, D.C.'s Arena Stage and Folger Theater, the Old Globe in San Diego, Yale Repertory Theater, Trinity Rep in Providence, Rhode Island, Arizona Theater Company, a solo rep in Florida, Actors Theater of Louisville, Pasadena Playhouse, A Noise Within in L.A., Two River Theater in New Jersey, Mary Mack Repertory Theater, And in the Bay Area at Aurora Magic Theater Rhinoceros, Theater Works, (laughs) Marin Theater Company, The Marsh, and 13 seasons each with California Shakespeare Theater, where he last played Richard III, and Shakespeare Santa Cruz, including three seasons as artistic director. He holds a PhD from the University of California, Berkeley. 
Ooh, that was a lot to say. He has done so, so much. And this isn't everything. This is just a brief, <laughs> semi-brief bio of what this man, Danny Shea, is capable of doing and what he has done in his amazing career. So get your popcorn, get your cocktail, buckle up, because we are in for an amazing conversation with my friend, Danny Shea. I would like to give a big welcome and a huge air hug, <laughs> since we are on Zoom, to my dear friend, Danny Shea. Welcome to the show, Danny. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks for asking me. It's so good to, to see and hear you again. Yes, yes. I feel the same. I feel the same. And I love your, it's kind of like a St. Patrick's Day type of hat. You're, you have this stylish green hat that you're wearing. What, what's the story behind your hat? I got this in in the Orkney Islands, which are off the northern coast of Scotland. And they're actually, like the Orkney flag looks like Norway's a lot. They're kind of Scandinavian, as, yes. it, as I know we both are Scandinavian for the listeners. Icelandic <laughs> and Norwegian, respectively. It's a really interesting place. I was there on a, um, doing this voice class for a, for a uh, week, this really intensive voice seminar with this woman, Kristen Linkladder, who's probably the most famous voice for theater person in the world. She just died right after I saw her. So I'm so grateful that I got to, she's like a huge guru and she had a kind of a retreat on the Orkney Islands. So I was super cold one day looking at these Neolithic caves or these Neolithic town that was on Orkney Islands with, there's all these Stonehenge stuff around there from the Picts and the Vikings and all sorts of stuff. The Vikings so I was, my people. <laughs> Those yes. are my people <laughs> from yes, Iceland, the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, they invaded the Orkneys regularly. And so anyway, my head was freezing and I got this cute little hat, which is warm. You can pull down the, the flaps and it was, it worked for St. Patrick's Day. So it's still hanging around. So it's still hanging around on your head. That's perfect. Which is hiding Saturday hair. Saturday hair. Yes, we are. We are recording on a Saturday for the listeners. I'm I'm so excited. I haven't gotten, I've cut my own hair twice. So it's just a disaster during the pandemic. I got it cut on a super cuts on the sidewalk once, which I was grateful (laughs) for. I got it cut in a, like a food, food truck court another time, but I haven't been indoors to get my hair cut, but I just got my second shot. So I'm going to go get my haircut for reals. And I'm so excited. <laughs> Next you week. Know, who would have thought that there's a point in our life where we would be talking about how excited we are to get a haircut inside know, it's like, a building. That's a big thing. It's like traveling to the Orkney Islands is, you know, now it's, ooh, but I'm getting a haircut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you are, well, you're just one of my favorite people in the world. And that is a true statement. It's absolutely true. And an amazing actor in person. So this is a total joy for me and for you, the listener. I hope you have your popcorn and your cocktail (laughs) while while you're listening. I'm very curious, Danny, what inspired you to go into acting? What led you on that acting path? Because you've been doing it since you were young, right? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I've been, as I teach young actors, there's, it's almost like it's a gene. It's a gene, although it doesn't seem to be hereditary. It's more like an infection. And there are kids that 
It doesn't necessarily, sometimes it runs in families, but like my parents were not in showbiz at all. And a lot of my friends are like, it's this sort of obsession that happens really young. And that all that a lot of actors want to do because it's, you know, for a few people, it becomes extremely lucrative, but like super few. And so it's like not a lucrative profession. It's, you know, most jobs in the live theater last 10 weeks, most of them. So you're always hustling and it's kind of a a rough life in a way for a lot of people, a lot of rejection, a lot of insecurity because all you're working with is your own body and your voice. So people write about that in the papers and stuff like that. But it's just this drive to do it. There's a very famous restoration, like 1700s actor in England. And he also wrote some plays too named Kali Sibber. And he was the poet laureate to King George II of England. And he wrote that actors are fortune's unlicked whelps. So it's almost (laughs) like you get licked enough by your mom. And so you go into this field where you go into a room and shut the lights off on hundreds of people and then try to get them to kind of lick you with their laughter or whatever. But I knew was, I, I was obsessed the first time I went to a movie that I can remember, which was Mary Poppins. I was three oh. when that came out. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And then I saw Sound of Music three times before I got. So, so it was like Julie Andrews is mm. what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I never really wavered from that. And my story is not unique. It's the story that a lot of these drama nerds that end up in the profession were like that. They just forsook everything else to do this, to do like a, what I do for love. It's a very, with all my qualifications, it's an extremely fun job because it's playing. (laughs) It's just just playing around with other people, pretending you're weird people or animals or Kings or dragons. (laughs) One of the thoughts that I had about acting is that I didn't think of it as an infection, but now that you say that, it kind of makes sense, <laughs> you know, <laughs> an infection that if you have it, there's really no vaccine for that, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. you have it and you have it. <laughs> so you do it. Right. So you do it. So it's almost, it's this pull, a calling, something that is just, and I have wondered about, particularly with singers and musicians, if it's something that they're born with or it's something that you can learn. It's like, it's sort of out, out of our hands. It's none of our business, really, whether we're talented or not. The muse, the dramatic muse descending and filling you with, it's similar to a musician. It's like, all you can do is really learn, if I may use the analogy of an instrument, you learn how to read music and you learn how to shape your mouth and you learn what holes to cover on the clarinet or the oboe or whatever, and you can make some music. And then the talent if it's there, just lifts it up and you become a star or whatever. So one of the things people don't know about acting, because again, it's using the body and the voice. It's not separate, like a portfolio or even a musical instrument or a a piece of marble that you're going to sculpt. It's that it is the same tools that a prostitute uses. So there's a certain (laughs) amount of disrespect. At some level, everybody thinks they would be a good prostitute, I think. And if push came to shove... (laughs) So everybody kind of thinks they can be an actor because it is, they have the tools to do it, their body and their voice. But there is actually, there's a lot of techniques, like playing an instrument, there's a lot of technique that you can learn and then the talent will lift you if you have that talent. And even if you don't, 
you'll still be able to, you know, save your own ass on stage a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm not one of the everyone who would think they'd be a good prostitute. I'm pretty clear that I would not be very good. At it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have that. I know, right? Sense. That's why I'm doing a podcast. As soon as I said it, it didn't make sense. But what I meant was everybody, <laughs> I, I, I do think this is that everybody kind of at some point in their life thinks they could be a movie star. Yes. Oh, fantasizes yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. And why not? And they think to themselves, why not? And there's well, here's many, one of the- many reasons. Here's one of the why nots that comes up for me is one of the greatest fears of a human being is to have to get on stage. It's one of the known greatest fears that people have when you ask people, are they more afraid of, you know, like a mountain lion? Are they more afraid of getting on stage? It's getting on stage. It's having to talk in front of people, having to perform in front of people. Public speaking is one of the top three fears of a human being. So that to me would be one of the reasons that a lot of us would think, well, I would love to be a movie star, but I have to act and get in front of people and perform, which is uh, terrifying for a lot of people. Yeah. And you didn't have that. Well, it's that unlicked whelp thing. It's like actors are born with this desire to have that happen. They want to get in front of people. Mm. They want to have... Now, there is still stage... You know, I am nervous on opening nights, more so even than when I was younger, I oh, think. Yeah. And nervous first preview, the first time there's an audience. Usually we are not nervous. I'm not anyway, after opening night, usually not too nervous. Unless it's a role that's just, you know, you're talking continually and it's really tricky. Some Shakespeare stuff, like if you if you get it wrong, you, you drive into a ditch. So, I mean, I have heard that I have heard that like medically or that opening in a play is the same as having your wedding and a car crash on the same day, that it's that level of stress that we, you know, we're used to it, but it's like, it's super, super stressful. Yeah, absolutely. How do you stay Centered and perform and remember your lines with everybody watching your every movement. I've done it for a long time. So it's, it is repetitive and, and it's, that's the training. And then, and the key to acting is, and it's the same thing little kids do. So that I think everybody understands a little bit is believing that you are in a set of given circumstances as specific as your own reality. So, and, and we work on this. This is what we do when we teach acting in, in college and stuff like that, is that you have a who, what, a where, and a when that is absolutely, and you believe in it 100%. We see little kids playing hospital or circus or whatever they do, and they can really commit. And we lose that a little bit oh, yeah. as we lose that ability to ignore the real reality and and completely give ourselves over to the fake reality. But actors, that's our job. That's what we have to do every day. And like, I keep going back to this. I'm embarrassed about it, but I think there is this inverse gene, like an alcoholic thing that (laughs) we like everyone. The goal is to have everybody staring at us (laughs) and actually not at any other actor you're even talking with, right? It's like, We want that and it's a buzz. It's a really strong buzz. I think 
especially for me as a comic actor, I, laughter, oh. the whole audience laughing is, feels like there's nothing that feels better than that to me. And it's also because uh, comedy is a little different, different than not comedy because the, the audience laughing, that is a thumbs up, thumbs down right away. Yes. You know, if you're in a tragedy, you can bullshit yourself that you're landing it and maybe the audience is hating it. You don't know. Yeah. But, but with, in comedy, uh, <laughs> it's right you're, there. The audience is gonging you or if they're not laughing or giving you complete love if they are. And that is, that is strong. Yes. That yes. is a strong buzz to chase. You know, I'm not comedian. I'm not you know, all that funny. I mean, I guess I, I can be, but I love when people laugh. I love that right. if you say something and people laugh, and especially if it's kids, you know, <laughs> I just love making kids. Oh, laugh. good. You know, it is, it's, it is a definite high. It is one yeah. of the best feelings is to make somebody feel good and laughter. Obviously they're feeling good. It's well, and, yeah, you, and it's just, it's just joy. You know, if an audience mm-hmm. is laughing, they're, they're in the moment, they're watching. It's joy. There's no, that's the one of the things I love about the job is that it does no harm. And there's not met that many jobs. The acting is like only bringing joy. At the worst, it's boring people. At the, at uh, the worst, you're just making people walk out saying, well, that was a waste of you know, boring 30 them, bucks a or whatever. Bit. <laughs> I can't get those two hours back. <laughs> That's right. <so> much. <laughs> yeah, but I can't imagine anybody ever saying that walking out of anything that you've done because I've seen you perform live and it's, it is incredible. And especially with somebody who has no talent and has no <laughs> complete knowledge of what it goes into acting. It looks so effortless. It looks like you just, you're just being you. And I wondered with, when you're, I mean, I've hung out with you and you're incredibly funny even when you're just walking around your house or you're just getting a cup of coffee or something. Everything, you have this naturally humorous, funny way about you. And so when you're acting, does it feel like you're really stepping outside of yourself in some way or are you tapping into, is it really who you are and you're just learning lines and it just comes? Well, that's an excellent question. There's a theory that there's two kinds of actors. There's the chameleon, like Meryl Streep would be an example, who completely, you can't even believe, oh. she's completely changed at every role she does. She's my favorite actress, hands down. She's sort of a chameleon. And then there's the other actor, that, the other actors are called apotheosis actors, where they're really themselves. And Cary Grant, Betty Davis was usually herself. Maybe that's a bad example, but where they play versions of themselves. And there's not, one isn't better than the other. And I think I might be a weird, Mm because I'm a character actor and I can do very specific, like I've been in plays where I had to play a bunch of different characters in the same play. And so I'm good with dialects and weird voices and things like that. But I think that probably some people would say that there's, you see a lot of a Danny in the role. I think the sense of humor thing for me is super, super useful. That is my favorite quality in people. And it is what is this, the one thing a friend must have. Like some people, I suppose it's loyalty or I don't know what it is. Money. <laughs> in a friend. Uh, mine is Money or definitely, humor. Hmm. Yeah. My sense of humor because, and that's what I love about, plays, you know, figuring out the sense of humor of the 
So I'm just uh, really drawn to that. And that's my strength. And that is how I'm cast. So I do think in real life, I'm trying to do the same thing to a fault sometimes is that I'm trying to get people to laugh. And sometimes I try so hard that I make them mad because I I tread that line of whatever inappropriate. So I do, you know, because here's the thing you may not, that laughter is thinking. If an audience is laughing, they're thinking. If they're crying, they're not necessarily thinking. They might be, you don't know why you cry sometimes. It's coming from the guts. But if your laughter is a really intellectual thing, so you know if the people are laughing that they're getting what you're saying, like your public speaking thing, that you like it when people laugh because it's like they're with you then. They're actually following your thoughts. And that's, did you ever, you were never in a play when you were young or in high school or anything? Uh, Not comfortably. I mean, I I was, I was, I was, uh, you know, in plays, but I wasn't comfortable. But one thing that did happen for me that really I discovered a side of myself that I didn't know was there is in when I was in sixth grade, I had this teacher, Mr. Hanley, and he, I can still picture him, amazing man. And he put a stage in the middle of our classroom and he had all of our desks were around the room facing the stage. So we weren't laid out classroom style. And We'd be working on math. It was, you know, at that time, all the subjects were taught in one class. And so he would say, all of a sudden, he'd say, Trisha, get up on stage out of the blue, which to me was nightmare, worst nightmare, put me in front of the room on the stage in front of my classmates. I would, I mean, I'd literally almost pee myself and my, I'd get all, <laughs> just be shaking and sweating. And, oh my God. <laughs> no, that, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. So we get, so I get up on stage and to this day, I know all the words to Hotel California by the Eagles because that was one of his favorite songs and he would just start playing it and he'd say, sing. And you're up there and then of course the class is laughing and you're up there and you have to sing Hotel California in a microphone in front of your classmates. And he would have us write plays and then cast each other and direct our plays. So we were all acting in a play while writing one and directing one. And he brought out, I mean, my mom's even mentioned it to me that she remembers he brought out a side of me that, nobody had really seen. I mean, I was a leader. I was confident. I was not shy. I, it, he just brought out this whole other side. And that side went dormant again when I went in seventh grade into junior high, but it's come back out now. <laughs> in my thirties, yeah. it came back out. So I have that in me and I've always thought it would be super fun to be an actor. I'd love, especially love to be a singer, but I, I have, I don't have a good voice. So it just sort of, you know, ixnays that idea, but I always thought it'd be great. And fun, but the getting in front of people, the nervousness of that always held me back. So it might be something I could do now, but I certainly couldn't do it when I was younger. And it's, I do have a part of me that wants to perform and I've played an instrument, I've done dancing. So I don't think of it as I want to perform because I want to do that in front of people. Like you're talking about where you want to be seen. I think of doing it because of the passion and the joy that I get when I do it and just sharing that. So it's like you with laughter. You know, it's that, like you said, it's joy. It's literally joy. And you also commented on how laughter, you know, you get people thinking. It's one of the highest forms of intelligence. Yeah. Is to be humorous. Right. And that's one of the reasons I'd like, I wish I was a little bit more funny. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know what? (laughs) You are, I think of the times that we 
played games and stuff. I think oh. you're very funny. And I also am surprised <laughs> that of all people that I know, that you would be, that you would have this fear of getting up in front of people because you present as, as that great teacher. Mr. Hanley sounds like an awesome oh. teacher. Like He was my are, favorite. He sounds great. Confidence is the one thing that actors need. And it's the one thing that can't be taught. I mean, even more so than a sense of humor. A confidence just can't be taught. You just have to get it. I mean, I would advise that person, that shy, confident person who wants to be an actor anyway. It's like, it's none of your business what people think of you. It is absolutely none of your business. What other people I agree think with that. I think that's a good metaphor for life. I actually got that from Alcoholics Anonymous. What other people think of you is none of your business. Yes. It doesn't do any good at all. It doesn't do any good. And then you kind of lose being who you are when you're trying to please and have other people like you. So you have mastered that then. You don't worry about what other people think. That's good. I mean, no, we all do sometimes. (laughs) But it's it's a neurotic it's a road of pain for me when I do worry yes. too much what other people think of me. What a freeing thing to say. I'm going to not worry about what other people think. That's very freeing. Because then it's kind yeah. of like that question. If you, that question of if you had millions of dollars and you could do whatever you wanted to do, what would you do? That's another freeing question. If you imagine that you're in a situation where you don't have to worry about the money you get paid, you could do whatever you want. That opens up people's minds to think about, well, what would I truly want to do? Who am I really? Am I doing what I do just for the money? So asking you that question, Danny, if you, I'm sure you have millions from all your acting. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love to oh see you God. But what, what would else would you do? Would you do anything um, else or would you always be doing this no matter what? Well, you know, I just, as I think you mentioned, maybe, I don't remember. uh, We talked about a little bit beforehand that I'm retiring from teaching, which I enjoy. It was a really good job. It got me some security. It absolutely, the teaching university level actors over 30, almost 35 years, I, it it definitely improved my work as an actor because I'm practicing what I preach and testing testing my being really honest with myself because I'm actually doing it at night, what I teach in the day. But I felt like that if I had millions and millions of dollars, I would not teach because I've done that way enough for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And that's why I stopped. Now, my plan to stop, like this is the question that's up for me. My plan to stop was assuming that theaters would continue and they're not continuing right now. So I was going to act and not care about how much I was paid, but it was going to make up. That was my plan. And so as we know also from AA, when, <laughs> when human beings make plans, God laughs. <laughs> I think he, la- he laughs uproariously. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, you silly humans. <laughs> But I would also control. (laughs) Yeah. So that's up for me right now. But I want to uh, travel with my husband as much as possible, which I'm also grateful that we already have done. You know, we've done so much. And 
because the traveling stopped. If we had deferred it till that year, we'd be so depressed about it. Mm-hmm. But we've packed it in and I would like to do more of that. And, and also spend, Patricia, you know, my husband, Derek, he's older than I me. I do. So it's time to, yeah, spend as much time with him as possible, which, you know, this pandemic delivered some good things to me personally. Mm-hmm. I needed the slowdown. I had been working two jobs straight with maybe one six week break for 20 years. Yes. I totally needed this. This was a gift on a completely selfish level to me was the slowing down. I really needed it. And I'm very grateful for that. People talk about that a lot with COVID and the shelters in place that have happened. And I say shelters because it's gone back and forth. (laughs) You can open up. Oh, wait, no, oops, you can't. (laughs) So mentally it's just this whiplash of, you know, And, but a lot of people talk about that, that it's really caused a pause, a slowing down, a connection with your family, more time with your family. You've always been in a play while teaching and many of those plays are in other states. It's not even local. Yeah. So the timing of you retiring wasn't a direct relation to, to COVID, but just the timing sort of worked out. No, I planned it. Well, it's kind of, I planned it beforehand, assuming I would be acting. Yeah. So I'm, that is now a confusing thing because I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't really want to stop working. I just want to stop doing that one thing that I did for so long, uh, such a huge chunk of my life. I was like, okay, life's too short. You got to do something else. Of course, as soon as I decide that, like I'm actually teaching at ACT, the graduate students there, I got that job like, that started the day I retired. And I was like, but I don't want to teach. But I felt like that was in this COVID time when there's not acting jobs, really. I took it because I felt like this was a gift of the universe and see how it goes. Absolutely. Um, But the millions of dollars question, I would say goodbye to teaching. Yes, but you would continue forward with acting. You would always be an actor. Maybe maybe not because I enjoyed not acting a little bit. Because I'd done it so much over the pandemic. So I think I would be, I don't know. I don't know, Patricia. I feel like I would be, not feel this drive to do it all the time. Take everything that comes along. But I also know, like I just did that little arms in the man that you're going to pimp. It was like (laughs) four days at ACT. It was with really good actors, a really fun director, a guy I've known forever. He's famous now, Coleman Domingo. He's in Ma, he's a kind of a leading role in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom right now, the movie. And so oh. it was fun working with him. And it was like, that's where I'm supposed to be. Here's what I, every first day of school, I'm kind of nervous. And, and then I get into it and I love the students and then it becomes normal. But I'm nervous and, and uneasy and it doesn't feel right anymore. And that's been increasing the longer I've taught. And so I know that because I know that the opposite of that is the first day of rehearsal when we get in the room and we're usually you read through the play and everybody's there. And I've been in this business so long. I usually know half the cast, at least sometimes practically all the Mm -hmm. cast that we've done other plays. So it's exciting to see people again. And we sit down and they have a election for the union deputy and stuff. And I always without fail feel Ah, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. Oh. I have that feeling. 
Absolutely. So absolutely. It's good to know. And so, and I am starting to miss it. Mm-hmm. That's where I find my intimacy in my life because, I mean, I obviously I have it with my husband, but the sort of friends thing, like the, the dressing room when you're in a play for 10 weeks, you get closer than I think most people do when they work with someone for 20 years in an office building. You get so close and it's finite. You know, you don't know for sure when the show closes, if you will ever work with that person again. And if you don't, you're probably not going to stay in touch because mm-hmm. there's so, when you get to be my age, there's so many shows that you can't keep in touch with everybody. And, but you have this mystical thing. We will work together again. And that often happens too. Oh, I would imagine. I mean, the relationships that you've created and built and connections, even if you don't stay in touch long-term, you know, we all, we only have these moments that we're in right now. And to me, relationships don't have to last a long time to have that intimacy and that impact in our lives. So you have had so many relationships and so many intimate connections because you, when you are in the dressing room, I imagine there's a lot of conversation and things that happen that is different than by the water cooler. (laughs) And there's not, there's not water coolers anymore, but you know, (laughs) going back (laughs) many moons, (laughs) but the intimacy, it just sounds, it sounds amazing. And so you would be an actor no matter what, no matter the money, no, it's just, it is your thing. Is there another career you ever thought about that you would consider before acting or? I never, not seriously, not to tempt me away from acting at all. I direct sometimes. I have directed a lot of plays. My, my first part of my career was more directing till I was 40 was professionally was more directing than acting. And then oh, it okay. did this switch that I was very happy about my heart loved the switch to more acting less directing so and you've also and it's done- good, but it it's good to have a di- i mean i'm grateful that i had all the teaching and the directing because it diversifies it like some of my friends who are just actors living in new york they get pretty neurotic and it's the classic stereotype trope of the neurotic actor but so I think the diversity has kept me saner <laughs> than I might have been. Oh, a not sane Danny would be kind of fun to watch. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and maybe even frightening. <laughs> well, you've done some television acting from yeah. what I understand. And you were, I know that, well, from what I saw in your bio or my stalking of you on, on Google, I think is where it came up. You were on Nash Bridges. Oh yeah. A long time ago. I did three episodes of Nash Bridges. Um, and was that Don Johnson? Is that who was on yeah. Nash Bridges? So, and most of my acting was with Cheech Marin. Oh, he seems funny. He was, he was sweet. Super sweet. sweet. Yeah. Cheech. Is was. he funny? Cheech. He's funny on the show. People loved him. Yeah. That's, so that's what came to mind. As soon as you said his name, I'm like, oh, he's funny. Well, and, and Don Johnson, I mean, I can't remember when Nash Bridges was on, but was that the 90s or the 80s? He was hot. Yeah. Was, yeah. Oh my gosh. My high school boyfriend dressed like him and did his hair like him. It was a big deal. <laughs> it was a big deal at the time. Yeah. <laughs> to look like Don Johnson. He did Miami Vice first, which I think was what when people really started. Oh, that's right. You're right. And Nash Bridges was later. 
But I just did one one day with Don Johnson on that show. Yeah. But I just did a I did a TV show last this season that of a show that didn't last. It was on for the fall called Almost Family with Timothy Hutton. Oh, who was the star yeah. who was in my scene and he was a doll. He was so nice. And that same person who created that show, Annie Weissman, who I know, who is a mm-hmm. friend of mine, she uh, has a new show on Apple and they asked me to be in it. And I was like, okay. And I was nervous because I hadn't been vaccinated. But the fact that I was up here, instead of in L.A., you have to have a 10-day quarantine in L.A. So that so I couldn't do it. So I would have, if it wasn't for COVID, I would be on another show, too. Oh, so um, I would have loved I, to see that. Yeah. It's not, I'm not driven to do TV. I probably should be, and I'm certainly open to it. But <laughs> You're hoping that a drive comes. <laughs> I do, well, it's, I know, I know every, it. everybody is. My agent is really hoping that drive comes. <laughs> He's, if he's on commission, he's really hoping it comes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <That> is exactly. <laughs> well, and I know I just saw um, that you had shared that Jessica Walter recently passed away. Yeah. Yeah. And she was somebody that was notable for her role on Arrested Development. And you also mentioned in your post honoring her that you loved her and that she was somebody that you worked with. When did you work together? That was uh, my first union show. My, I got my equity card doing this tartuffe this Moliere play in Los Angeles in 1985. I was just a graduate student in, in, at Berkeley at the time. And the director had me come down and audition and they loved me and they gave me this role. It was like a huge launch of my career because there were a lot of stars in it, TV stars at the time. Jessica was, you know, she had gotten an Emmy and she was famous then and she got even more famous from Arrested Development. And her husband is Ron Liebman, who had been in a lot of movies and and he had his own TV show, a cop show. But he got really famous for playing Roy Cohn in Angels in America on Broadway later. Oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah. And Jennifer Tilly, do you know who she is? She played my sister. She is a fantastic actress and uh, she was we had so much fun and there were a lot of tv people in this show and it ended up being a giant hit it got fantastic as a matter of fact the obit in the times linked the obit obit in the new york times linked to the la times review of the star two which it sold out for months and months and months and i was just a kid you know i got an agent out of it and everything like that and i probably should have stayed in la if i had stayed in la because i was going out for a lot of auditions for new tv shows and things but i went back to berkeley i went back to my boyfriend and my life which has happened to me every time i should stay in la i come home i come back up to the bay area for love for men <laughs> but i i don't have i don't have i feel like it's stupid that i did it but i also don't have regrets at all because i am i feel super fortunate in my life that i have been able to follow my heart and have i've been lucky in love so yes you are i mean because your husband is one of the most amazing men that i have ever met and so yes and and he is very lucky too i don't want it to sound like it's one side <laughs> But he, he oh, well, is very you. lucky too. <laughs> but yes, you two have such a beautiful relationship. And I think you two met at the gym, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah. We did. In the locker yeah. room. In the, yeah. So, I mean, 
you know, it's, it's couples that work out together, you know? Yeah. Put (laughs) put the donuts in the case. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, I, you know, that's really uh, important. I think what you shared is that you follow your heart and when people, there's all sorts of books and research on what do we really regret or what do we think about when we're at the end of our life? And people have literally been asked this question. It's been shared that what we think about are often the regrets of what we didn't end up doing that is really true to our heart, true to who we know we are. So you may not, you know, if you'd stayed in L.A., you may have been all over TV and been all over certain major productions in a different way, but you have had tremendous love and you've had tremendous success in every, in, in the plays that you've done. I mean, it's incredible. I, do you even know how many plays you've done? No, I've done I mean, just even reading off the theaters that you've performed in, I, it's got to be hundreds. Yeah, and some of those theaters I've done 20 shows at. Exactly. I mean, or maybe, th- I mean, it's it really, so, you know, we could always, that's always something where you wonder, especially when you hit midlife, you know, we start thinking about, well, if we'd gone down that path instead of this path, or would I have been gotten here where I thought I wanted to go? And I love that the way that you just said that you wouldn't change it and you followed your heart. And yeah. I think uh, you are a much happier man for that. Yeah, I think that's true. I feel lucky about that. And the, you know, on, I've done enough plays, you know, there's possibly, everybody has a last show that they do. Sometimes people die on stage, but everybody, you don't know (laughs) when your last show is going to be. And if I've had my last show, I would still consider myself lucky. Similarly, like if for some reason we never get to travel, that this virus keeps going, I feel lucky that I did what I did. So yeah. Thank yeah. you, Patricia. That makes me feel that makes me feel superior to everyone else. Oh, which is what I was striving for. I thought, <laughs> okay, we're going to have a great conversation, but if he can walk away feeling <laughs> superior, then I have done my job today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was my mission. Uh, <laughs> I know. I love your humor. I, I absolutely love your humor. I always enjoy um, talking to you. And one of the things I was curious about is what is one of your, you probably have so many, but do you have like a favorite role or a favorite play? Like something that just, when you think back to it, it just brings you so much joy. There's a lot of those. Yeah. But there's a role that I did. I did it at a theater in Florida, a really good theater, really big production, great director, great fellow actors. It was a play called La Bette. La Bette. Which ironically is, it's like sort of, Full Moliere. It's so funny. And I, there's a monologue in it. That's one of the ones that I told you about that I was always nervous. It's like a 25-minute a monologue with just my character talking oh. at breakneck speed. Like oh, my gosh. Barely time for breath. So that was like skating. It was like just because you're going so fast. So that was like, I always, I actually had to pray before I went on for that. I did all sorts of voodoo before that show. When I went on, and that is a role that I want to play again. So that was, and I don't have that. I don't feel that about all the Shakespeare roles. I feel like sometimes once I do them, I feel like, and I'm open to doing them again, but like, okay, it's time to do something else. But that play, I definitely want to do again. So 
I guess that's my favorite role at the moment because I'm trying to get people to do it. I want to do it in the Bay Area, you know, in my home, which I haven't done. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that sounds, I know you've done so many roles that it would be hard to think about, you know, there's a lot of, that really just came to you, which is great. Yeah. I've ended up loving the role. I've been so lucky in the casting that I've gotten. So, so, so lucky. Well, I also think when you follow your heart, it doesn't just impact you in love. When you follow your heart, it impacts you in everything that you do. So you're attracting and drawn to the roles that really connect with who you are. And what brings out, I would also think, what brings out the best of you as an actor, as a person, you know? I think that's true. Well, so I wanted to also ask you, (laughs) I had all these questions, but what is it that inspires you as a person? What is it that inspires you? My, My little parrot inspires me. Like your internal parrot or a real parrot? A real parrot. I have a parrot that weighs an ounce. He only weighs one ounce. He weighs 30 grams. He's tiny. But his, he's super smart. And his life force, his consciousness is so impressive to me. And it makes me think about the whole world. I find that super inspiring. Mm-hmm. As, as is corny. What other things inspire You know, I don't think it's corny to be inspired by uh, other living beings. I mean, that's, uh, you're inspired by another living being on this planet. It's pretty amazing. And it really is. I mean, I'm inspired. I have this uh, dog from Mexico that uh, snuck on a van and came over. It's wicked smart. (laughs) She snuck on a van and came over that went to the Humane Society. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just really smart. And she's super cute, playful. I'm very inspired by her. And when she wakes up in the morning every day, she wakes up in a good mood. She wakes up playful. She's chipper. She's like, well, what are we doing? Let's go every day. It's incredible. I mean, I, and so I think it's good to be inspired by other living beings in addition to us as humans. There's so much to be inspired by in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I would like to ask you, who is Danny Shea? That's, so, that's a crazy hard question. I know. Um, it's, we had a dramatic pause there. I don't know what that would be called in a script, but that was a dramatic pause. (laughs) I mean, I've learned a lot. This has been super fun articulating some of this stuff. I feel, I feel really good after dredging some. So I think Danny is a, I'm really proud that I'm a good husband Mm -hmm. and I'm a fun actor and a funny friend. I think to people, I'm a good pet owner now, as we just discussed, I think. And I'm sober. Yes. So that was a dragon that I slayed, you know, in gay, I came out, I slayed Mm. that dragon. So I think that I got some dragons on my sled when they count those things at the bitter end. Those are very important things because they are all you being who you are. You know, and sharing that with the world, the people that come across. And I believe that by being who you truly are impacts the world around you in a way that when we're not quite aligned with who we are, doesn't. And you are the real deal. I mean, when you meet Danny Shea, you meet Danny Shea. Unless, of course, you're in character. (laughs) I think I'm in touch with my id and my inner child. So people say. 
that I'm so, yeah, I could see that. So. Well, so Danny, we have like two minutes left and I wanted to find out what are you doing next and how can people find you? I have a website that is, I just did in COVID with a guy that built it that I like, but I, it doesn't, I'm doing, you can stream play a George Bernard Shaw play that I did at ACT. I play a part completely different from myself. I play old, straight, military father kind of type. And that's streaming in April at ACT. And there you have I think a that's April 26th. Yeah. And it's called streams, Out Loud. I think it streams for a week. It's part of this Out Loud series. Okay. And then the, the university where University of California, Santa Cruz is throwing a huge benefit for my retirement. And they started a, a scholarship that fund that will be given to a graduating senior in the actor in theater to help start jumpstart their career after college is in my name. And so this is a fundraiser for that. And we're doing a reading of Shakespeare play Comedy of Errors, which is sort of a very famous, I mean, it's what I'm most well known for. I've directed it eight times. I played the both sets of twins, one in LA, one in (laughs) Kyle Shakes in, in up here not too long ago. So, and we've got students in present students, past students, other actors I've worked with, the, a lot of the original cast from the production in 1988, which kind of launched my professional directing career because it was a big hit. So, and you can come and give 10 bucks. I think you can give zero. I'm not sure. But well, it's a it's fundraiser. A, it's a yeah, fundraiser for the Danny Shea Scholarship Fund, which is, yeah. I think, phenomenal. And it's on April 23rd. And we'll put the links in the show notes for anybody Excellent. listening. But you can also go and find, find that comedy of errors on Danny's website. DannyShea.com and it's S-C-H-E-I-E for those listening. And yeah, I'm definitely attending both. So I'm going to oh, well, awesome. support your uh, scholarship fund. I think that's an incredible thing, a legacy to have created. And, it's kind of and- embarrassing. It's like all this <laughs> fuss is totally embarrassing, but well, I'm but on you for love the, the fuss, remember? You're driven for the fuss. <laughs> yeah. Money, I'm not into fundraising. I don't like to fundraise, that's for sure. Well, you wouldn't want uh, my job. <laughs> you wouldn't want to right. on profit. <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, so Danny, this has been an absolute treat. And I'm wondering if there's anything you want to share that we didn't touch on that you'd want no, our audience to know. You are an excellent interviewer. I feel really great. And it was so nice to talk to you and learn some things about you. So yeah. I hope we get to see each other again. Yes, I am going to see you and hug you in person. I miss that. So I'm looking forward to that. And Danny, thank you so much for being a guest on Everyday Awesome. You have just elevated my day and I no doubt the listener as well. So big hug to you and I look forward to seeing you on the Zoom stage (laughs) in April. It was a a pleasure. (laughs) I love you, Patricia. I love you too, Danny Shea. And big hug and love to Derek. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, everybody listening, that was an absolute pleasure for me. I hope it was for you as well. Thank you again, Danny, for being my guest today. And thank you, our listener, for joining us. I really, truly hope that you have enjoyed the time with Danny, learning about him, and just hearing his thoughts on acting and life and love. And I'd like to have you, the listener, be able to, when you hit stop <laughs> after the rec- or this episode ends that you're walking away with a few things that you're learning that you can 
or inspired to do and apply to your life. And a couple of things that Danny said that really struck me that I'm walking away with are that it's important to do what you love now and not wait. And he touched on that quite a bit, especially as it relates to COVID time and the fact that he and his husband have done so much traveling and they chose to fit that into their life rather than wait and how grateful they are that they were able to do that. The other thing he mentioned is that he has followed his heart and it's not always easy. It's not always the easy choice to follow your heart and go after what it is you truly want or what feels right or to go for love over what might seem like the path to career success in a certain way that you envision. So following your heart, whatever that means for you, is something that Danny shared that I'm walking away with as well. And basically, the other thing is to laugh a lot. (laughs) Because laughter is so enjoyable, right? It brings joy. But the other thing about laughter is that it lifts us up, it changes our brain chemistry, and it impacts our immune system. So Danny didn't talk about that, but it's one of the things that I love about laughter. It's one of the reasons I strive and am drawn to finding things that make me laugh, even if I'm alone. I don't have to be with somebody to laugh out loud. So uh, for example, if you have Netflix, watch Shit's Creek, S-C-H-I-T-S Creek, (laughs) and you will laugh out loud. And so those are a few takeaways. I look forward to hearing from you. Share your feedback. You can email me at everydayawesomewithtrishag at gmail.com and share your thoughts. All right. I hope that you have a wonderful day and here is to finding some awe in your everyday. This is Trisha G signing off until we meet again. Hey there, and thanks for listening to this week's episode of Everyday Awesome. How lucky are we to have had this conversation today, learning, growing, and being inspired together. I am so grateful to have had this time with you. And if you like what you heard, please share it with a friend, family member, neighbor, or what the heck, share it with a stranger. (laughs) And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, suggestions for future guests you'd love to hear from, comments or feedback for me, you can reach me directly at everydayawesomewithtrishag at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and let's make every day awesome.